We Ontarians now have the right to access medically assisted dying. Um, some people feel this legislation doesn't go far enough. Others feel there's some problems with it. Shanaz Gokul is the CEO of Dying with Dignity Canada. She joins the show right now. Welcome to the program. I appreciate you being here. Happy to be here, Kelly. I understand that Dying with Dignity may challenge Ontario's law exempting religious hospitals from offering assisted death. Do tell why. Uh, well, actually, the, the headline from that article this morning is a bit misleading. Um, we're looking at all of the options on the table. You know, our primary concern has and will always be putting the rights of the most vulnerable Canadians first. Uh, and we know in Ontario uh, that there has been a piece of legislation, Bill 41, that allows um, uh, publicly funded healthcare facilities to opt out of in providing treatments that they might have a moral or religious problem with. And we know that that's the case with medical assistance in dying. Uh, and we find that problematic because Ontario put forward a bill which allows them to opt out. And then Ontario put forward another piece of legislation in Bill 84 this past spring, which prohibits us from filing freedom of information requests to find out what's going on with facilities across the province. And that's a real problem. And so, you know, we're just thinking about the most vulnerable amongst us who are going to be making requests, who some of whom may be in hospices, hospitals, long-term care residencies, where they're not going to be able to get the help that they need. And in 2017, when we have a system that's supposed to be universal access for basic and essential health care, we should all ask ourselves if this is acceptable. Yeah, we're talking about the idea, you know, there might be some people saying, well, you know what, there's a lot of hospitals out there and some of them aren't Catholic hospitals. Those tend to be the ones that are not offering uh, the uh, medically assisted uh, dying. And so you, they would have to transport you to another hospital. But the problem with that is, is that, you know, we, we spoke to a daughter of a man in BC that's also mentioned in this CBC article. Um, she was just devastated because her father was in uh, chronic pain. He was in his final stages of his life they all wanted to put him out of his misery including himself and do it in a in a dignified fashion the hospital said no this is a hospital he went to because he was experiencing complications and then they said well you know it had gone farther so he couldn't leave the hospital they requested uh, the medical assisted suicide and they said we don't do that here but we'll put you in an ambulance and transport you quite far away to a hospital that will do that they wouldn't even bring a doctor in and this man every movement was just so incredibly painful said the doctor or said his daughter uh, that the next day when he arrived they he didn't even get a chance to uh, die with dignity because he just succumbed you know, it's, it's, a, it's a very sad story, and I'm familiar with the Safarak story, and I've spoken to um, the daughter in this particular uh, incident, um, and it's tragic when these things happen. But I do want to remind your listeners, this isn't just a faith-based issue. There are hospices across the country who feel that they have nothing to do with medical assistance and dying, and hospices, as we know, are where people go sometimes because they are dying. What are they justifying um, that? How are they you know, justifying they, that? They, they feel that it's not part of, uh, of what they do in healthcare. And, you know, I, I, can, I can't really understand it. Um, and I hope that that will change in time as more requests do come from people who are in hospice care or in palliative care, uh, that it has to change, you know, and they're tasked with delivering really critical health care. Um, and they only receive public funds to do this work. And mm-hmm. so really this is about ensuring that, you know, institutions that release public funds, um, you know, receive public funds to provide public health care, basic and essential health care, do their job and that they are accountable and transparent to the communities that they're there to serve. I mean, we have to remember that health care, you know, providers, hospitals, 
They're there to serve. That is their job. They've been tasked by the provincial and territorial governments with providing health care to residents of those provinces and territories. And in some communities, you know, you know you're right. You may, you may have to travel, as the Safaraks did, for over an hour to go to Nanaimo. But even if you're in an urban center, why should you have to, you know, a 20-minute drive in mm-hmm. Toronto, it's not going to take you 20 minutes. It may take you longer because of all the construction. It may cause you physical trauma because of the kind of, you know, health uh, situation that you have physically. It may cause psychological trauma. You know, the Safaraks, I think, felt quite abandoned by the hospital that had been looking after their father. And that feeling of psychological trauma is also on the part of the clinicians who work in those you know, facilities that are opting out. Because here's the thing that people always forget when we talk about conscience rights. Everyone gets to have one, not just people who object to something, people who support something, as many will in these facilities. Their conscience rights are being trampled on. And the person, that vulnerable person who wants to access their constitutional right to an assisted death, their rights are being trampled on as well. And so while we believe that an individual clinician, of course, has freedom of conscience, we do not believe that one facility can have one conscience on behalf of what could be thousands of people who live, you know, who are patients or reside or work in those hospitals and hospices. And you're not, so can, am I correct in assuming that you're not lobbying the government to get the exemption for doctors that don't want to perform this um, pulled? What we have done in Ontario, there has been a court challenge. Uh, so the Ontario Doctors um, College and the Nurses College and the Pharmacists College all have a policy of effective referral. So if the clinician has a specific objection, then they have to you know, make sure that their patient um, has the help that they need, mm-hmm. either through you know, a referral to another clinician or to an agency, and someone else in that uh, clini- clinician's practice can, can make that phone call. That policy has been challenged in court um, by a coalition of Christian doctors and dentists, and there was a three-day hearing in June, and our organization, Dying with Dignity Canada, was part of that challenge supporting the college's policy for effective referral. So we've taken a very public position on effective referral, um, and we don't believe that um, publicly funded healthcare facilities can have one conscience. Now, I don't know if we're going to be taking a court challenge forward at this point in time, but what I will say for anyone out there listening, if you have a family member or a loved one that's gone through this or is going through this, please contact us. The most difficult part here, I think, is, you know, the the stress that it puts on the person and their family. And a lot of times family members, they don't want to make a fuss because they're worried that the person's health care is going to be compromised in those facilities where they're already receiving really wonderful health care. They don't want their loved one to be stigmatized. Their loved one is dying. That's hard enough, isn't it? And so they don't want to villainize, you know, facilities. They don't want to villainize doctors. They're just trying to help their loved one get through the most difficult part of their life with as much dignity as possible. But I do encourage people and clinicians who work in, you know, hospitals and hospices and places that are opting out to contact our organization. Canadians need to know that in 2017, you know, hospitals all across the country are being allowed to opt out of what is basic and essential health care. And by sharing those stories, I'm hoping that people can understand what it's going to mean when it's your father or your brother or your aunt, you know, or your grandparent when they can't be treated with dignity at the most critical and vulnerable times of their life. Well, Shanaz, I'm going to leave it there, but I really appreciate you joining us. It's a very important topic and I wish you the best of luck. 
Thank you so much, Kelly. Thank you. Janaz Gokul is CEO of Dying with Dignity Canada. If you have any questions, they're there to talk to you. So uh, feel free to reach out to them as Shanaz suggested. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the great white north and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.